moviegoers are enchanted with Encanto, especially for two-year-old Kenzo Brooks, who sat down for family movie night and saw Antonio. Notice the resemblance? I truly believe that he thought it was him. Just the, this is the reaction. He kept staring at the screen and then like looking back at us and like he's smiling. Kenzo's family sharing the image on social media with the hashtag representation matters. The photo going viral. For me, it did make me feel a little bit emotional just to, to think that my son was able to see this and, and have this experience. And just for so many other black boys and girls to be able to have that same experience. What does it mean to you uh, to know that Kenzo gets to grow up seeing people and images who look like him in movies and on television. It means the world to me. Again, I didn't have the same experience growing up. I do believe that there is power and representation, and it does empower young black children. We in here. Yeah, we in here. Cause we been here. We in here. Yeah, we in here. Cause we been here. That's it. Happy, happy Monday and welcome back to the party. We are Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen and I will be the host as usual. Um, but before we get started talking, um, let's go around and get some introductions. Miss Jada, we are going to start with you. Hey guys, um, it's Jada back here again. I am a homeschooled junior in the Elk Grove area and it's so glad to be back. Perfect, Miss Melissa. Hi everyone, my name is Melissa and I'm a 15 year old sophomore in the Southern California area and really excited about this episode. Miss Didi. Hey everyone, my name is Dia or Didi and I'm a junior in the Sacramento area. Welcome back, Samuel. Hello, my name is Samuel, I'm 11. I'm in fifth grade, I'm homeschooled. Um, I like cookies, that's it. Okay, <laughs> Miss Anaya. Hi everyone, my name is Anaya and I'm currently a junior in high school. Perfect, so the teams are here, all here, the crew's all here. Um, shout out to M16 and the Full Moon Wolves for our intro song. Uh, we in here and we ain't going nowhere. You should have kept us out of here. Anyway, um, Samuel, I have to tell you, I went to a press conference last week and there is someone who watches us on uh, Facebook every week and she said sam is my favorite so i just had to tell you that because i had never met the lady before but as soon as i got there she wanted to make sure uh, that i let you know that you are her favorite she loves listening to you so i just you know it matters it matters that y'all have voices it matters what you say and how you impact people and i just wanted to share that with you because I, I was just tickled because everybody talks about sam i don't know if y'all know that um, everybody talks about Sam and he's like, what, what, what are you talking about? You know, so Sam, you making an impression. Um, so Jada, <laughs> this was your clip. The opening clip was yours. And so this week we are talking about when I see me, uh, representation, how that matters, the impact that it has on us as also fellow community members. So why don't you talk to us about why you saw that and it just had an impression or made an impression on you? 
Um, personally, I really love the movie. And when I really, what I first noticed about the movie was the, like the different colors that you would see. Like it wasn't like, you know, basic media where there's all these Caucasian children, you know, there's all these just one race really. And I liked how it kind of expanded and you saw like dark people and you saw white people. It wasn't just this one color, this one unified color. And I love that about the movie. But, um, I saw this clip when I was going through YouTube because I thought it was so cool to see like a little, a little kid like literally seeing himself in media today and like the mom had said she had didn't really get a lot of that growing up and like that's why I think it's so important that we have impact on younger children now so they can grow up with that stuff because you know I mean you can still be impacted when you see it as an older person but when you really get it from like the roots that really affects how you grow up. Melissa do you agree? I do, I do, and I also really liked the movie, and I agree with Jada. I liked the diversity. I liked how, you know, she said there were dark-skinned people, there were light-skinned people. I also liked that it didn't make everybody skinny. Some of them had curves. Like, there wasn't just a, a, a blueprint, and they copy and pasted it all throughout the movie, and I definitely agree that representation is important for that little boy and for everyone who saw themselves in that movie and who can continue to see themselves in future media. Miss Anaya, did you see the movie? Yes, I loved the movie and I loved his reaction because his mom was basically saying like, that's me on TV. And he would look at the screen, look back at his parents. I thought that was like so cute. And it matters, especially at a young age, he's gonna feel loved. And I bet you he does feel loved now because he's like, that's me on the screen, that's me. And he can watch himself over and over again. Miss Adia, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely have to agree. I have to admit, I've been meaning to watch the movie. Like, you guys don't even understand. I've tried to watch it three times, but then whenever I get time to watch it, I literally fall asleep at, like, the same part. So please do not spoil it. Um, but <laughs> getting into the clip, oh, I really love the clip. And I also just like the movie in general because I feel like um, there's not a lot of Afro-Latinos when you have, like, movies centered probably around like somewhere in like Latin America right and I just thought that was really important because I think we don't see that a lot but it also makes that community um feel seen which I thought was really important as we see with the little boy and you know as I'm watching the clip um I'm I was looking at you Sam because there were some similar you know the hair out here you know you be up in here you know picking your hair during the episodes being all authentically you so when you see it what did you think I thought like he looks like a younger me like when I was like a baby I had like a, I had big hair I was I was lighter than him but you know similarities we were still we're still black like come on now I saw my I saw like me and him and that's what that little boy sees he sees yeah. himself in that character and Antonio and it's very important for representation because it feels like you've been seen and you're actually cared about in the retrospect of the world and not just ignored and excused. Yeah, and you know, the bigger thing that I saw, that kind of like was reflective of my family, right? All of our families are different tones, different shades, different weights, different sizes. And so for me, that just showed the makeup of a real true family. Everybody's not the same. No, no you know, everybody doesn't have the same shade or color. And so I was just like, I, I like, uh, and you already, you saw a little bit of the movie, but I like the sister with all the muscles because that is not something that we see a lot, right? Um, the first time I see a, a little 
black Afro Latino boy and he has all this curly hair and it just, I mean, it was just so cute. It was just so cute. And so representation absolutely matters. And um, I was just tickled at, at the whole thing because what I know that baby does not see uh, an Afro Latino, he sees a black boy like him, right? And so I just thought that that was super, super cute. Um, let's go, let's see, Sam, you have some stuff that you want to share. So just so everybody knows, um, we are talking about how representation matters and Sam decided to be the captain of his own ship and he brought his own stuff. So Sam is going to share his screen and he has some things he wants to uh, put out front so we can discuss. You ready? Okay, yeah, I got it. I'm, I'm doing it right now. Okay. Chrome tab. Go. Go. Okay. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. To the voice Born just five years after the end of the Civil War, Robert Sengstack Abbott founded a weekly newspaper, the Chicago Defender, one of the most important Black newspapers in history, in 1905. The success of the Chicago Defender made Abbott one of the nation's most prominent post-slavery Black millionaire and paved the way for prominent Black publishers such as Earl G. Graves, John J. Johnson, and Edward Lewis. That's what I wanted to show. That's what you wanted to show. And, and just so for the audio, I had to mute your own mic so that we could hear the audio because it sounded like it was uh, playing. It double. was? Oh, man. That's okay. That's all right. So talk to us about why you wanted to show that. Because it just shows that Black people have been in, in, engraved in every single facet of media and work and hard labor and everything engraved is to the root is to black people. It's all credit, it's most credit to black people. You look at most music that's popular today, created by black people. The foundation of the economy, created by this, the backs of black people. You see the spreading of information and news in news outlets like him, Robert Abbott, created by a black, by a black man. So it, it just shows that this country is deeply rooted with black influence, even if you don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah, and it looked like Jada had her hand up. So did you have your hand up, Jada? I did have my hand up because um, it wasn't anything, you know, drifting off the topic that Sam is on, but I had just like noticed something. So he was talking, like, I remember last uh, episode, episode, we were talking about us being the black men, us being the foundation of everything. And um, I don't know, he just kind of like sparked, um, I don't know if I want to talk about it because it has, it's just like this short little thing. Um, um, we were talking about how Elvis got most of his stuff off of back, off of the backs of black people. And I think I was on YouTube one day and I saw that they were making a movie about him. And I was just thinking like, we just got finished talking about him and how his whole career is based off of his whole music career is based off of black people. What, what story he got to tell? I'm just like, <laughs> like what he got to tell? <laughs> like what? I saw that too, and I was like, well, I know they're not really going to talk about him taking the music and taking all the lyrics and stuff from Black people. So I was like, so what is this movie really going to be about? I saw the trailer mm -hmm. and stuff too on YouTube. Elvis is, is the American blue sweetheart. He's the creator of blues. No, you aren't. No, you aren't. You're not a pioneer. Roll, right? The king of rock and roll, right? Or whatever. Allegedly. He didn't, he didn't do either. Like... <laughs> So let's 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 go back to the what you were talking about. So I have a question to you guys. Why is it? Because you know there were probably other newspapers at the time, right? Uh, 
that got stories out or that got information out. Why is it important that we tell our own stories? Samuel. Because it shows a actual like first person view of it. Cause you have these white newspapers being like, Negro got lynched because he raped a white girl. Well, he didn't really do it. He was alleged to do it and they overreacted and made up a lynch mob and basically killed this innocent man for no reason. Mm-hmm. It shows actually deeply engraved context other than just loudly outbursting something that's uh, that's very media driven and not true. Mm-hmm. Jada, your hands up. And I think that it's important that you hear it from first person's perspective because then it gives the idea of uh, critical race theory and they have like they like to like reform history to make it seem like white is good and black is like oh they did some great things but you know only when it came to like slavery and getting through hard times that's what I think personally. Anaya why is it important that we tell our own stories? I think it's important so one it's not forgotten and then forgotten and then two you're giving credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me happy about hearing successful Black people or Black people who are the first to do things. Um, I just think it's important. Also, going back to representation, it's like, yeah, like, we did that, you know? So, mm-hmm. Didi. Yeah, I was also just going to add, like, it allows us to show our stories in the way that they should be portrayed and in a sense of truth, because I feel like a lot of times um, when you give, like, basically the voice of, like, Black stories to, like, these white media outlets or non-black media outlets, whatever it may be, um, you're not authentically telling the story. You're not, you know what I mean? You're not getting the perspective of black people like how we were saying. So I think it's really important if we wanna like tell the story of truth and actuality and stuff like that for us to tell our own stories at the end of the day. Did I miss anybody? Melissa? Yeah, I agree. I think I agree with everyone. We need to be that primary source. We need to tell our own stories. So the people who are like us who are not hearing our own stories can also be empowered to continue to do these great things. Got you. And you know, and and not only is it important that we tell our own stories, we provide a certain level of uh, context. We provide, we speak in a different way so that our, whatever we're talking about is easily digestible for the people that the the story is written for. Um, And I think that um, we have a way of you know, we always hear it one-sided from the media's perspective, but if we have our own media outlets and they too are putting some context into it, um, it's very, uh, it, it becomes something that's kind of alive. The story is alive in a sense. And uh, shout out to Mr. Burgess in the chat. Um, we'll be, we're going to invite him on too soon because he has an interesting story that I think we should hear. Um, and so Sam, you have one more piece of media before we move on. Um, let's get to that and then let's talk about it. So I was going to talk about this movie that came out, I think, what, five years ago called Hidden Figures. And it was about these three black women that basically were key stone pieces in the race to the moon and the moon landing of 1969. Mm -hmm. Basically, everybody doubted them because they're women and they were black. So everybody doubted them they 
they weren't believers. They were like, oh, sit down, sit down, stay in your place, stay in your place, Blackie. I bet you they were saying that in real life. I bet you. Oh, so you just added you just adding words. Come on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> historical historical <laughs> accuracy. Historical accuracy is what we're about. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyways. So ladies, did you guys happen to uh see the hidden figures? Is that one of the movies we premiered? I can't even remember if we sponsored it. It was one, one of the it was, it was one, one of the movies we premiered before COVID and shut everything down. Yeah, I liked the movie. I didn't I didn't know like I like if I hadn't seen the movie, I would have never known that they existed. Like I'm not I was like, who are we who are we telling the story of? Oh, they were the ones who were behind the scenes of this. Oh, that's cool. Why weren't they told in the history books? Um, okay. You know why they weren't told in the history yeah. books? Because then they'd have to retell their whole fabric of their story. <laughs> they said they did it by themselves. They're they're the conquerors. They're the ones that are smartest and you know, it's just the rest of us. Y'all was just there. I mean, I don't know what y'all was doing, but you know, I guess y'all was somewhere. Um, never, never an integral part. And so that's what's so important. Uh, why, why we should uh, tell our own stories. So Melissa, we're gonna move to your media. Um, it's here's a short clip of it. Let's see. Let's check it out. I want people to look at this brand and be inspired, be encouraged, create their own brand, or do something unique. Coming soon, February 2nd, 2022. All right, that's your clip. What what we talking about, sis? Okay, so we're talking about Marseille Martin, and I wanted to highlight her and her new brand because she's close to our age, and I feel like the representation, not only Black, but also young, lets us be seen, and it lets us believe in ourselves. And I also wanted to highlight her because she wanted to be different when she came out with this line in her post introducing the product. Um, their press on reusable nails. She says everybody was coming out with makeup lines. And I feel like that's really true. And so she came out with a new kind of line so she could differentiate herself and stand out. And I feel like especially as Black people, as Black women, as Black people just growing up, we have to stand out because people can and they will overlook our black excellence. So that's why I wanted to highlight her. Now you said uh, black women. Now is she 18 yet? No, not yet. Okay, so she's a black girl. So we want to make sure that we get that context right. This is a black girl who is doing amazing things. And tell me, do you guys know much about her line? Because this is the first I'm hearing about it. So is it a makeup line? Is it a clothing line? Is it jewelry? What are we talking about? It's press on nails. Oh, it's press on girl. That's what that commercial was about. Some press mm -hmm. on nails. I I thought it was about a business suit. Okay, so some press on nails. All right, that's what's up. <laughs> I love press on nails because I don't. I I have commitment issues. I can't keep stuff on my fingers for a long time. Um. So what about one? Are you guys planning to invest in her business by purchasing these products? Why or why not? And I saw Anaya nod her head first, so I'm gonna kick it to her. Why? I definitely will because I'm supporting Black business at the end of the day. And then it's Marcy Martin. I do look up to her. And um, I've been watching her since she was in the movie. Um, what is it called? It's about the Whirlpool. The, um, they go to Birmingham. Um, the Washington go to Birmingham. I think that's the name of it. I don't know for sure. No, wait, she wasn't in that. Wait. Oh, oh Lord, Anaya. No, since Blackish. Since Blackish. I've been watching her since, <laughs> since okay. 2014. All right, so Diane yes. Blackish. Okay. All yeah. right. And then um, for cheer, we're not allowed to have nails or anything. So 
being able to have press on nails and being able to take them off when I need to do tryouts or practice or whatever. That's really good. And then um, I can't get acrylics. I'm scared to get acrylics. Ooh, I'm ooh, like, oh because when I have a gold nail salon, they be, they be messing up my cuticle. I be getting cut. So yeah, I can't, <laughs> I'm scared. That drill, uh-uh, it's like the drill at the dentist. I can't, I can't do that. I can't. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> Plus, the designs are really cute, and I like the, um, you know, the little point. Yeah, the stiletto it's, nails. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, Miss Adia, <laughs> are you planning to invest? I definitely want to support her. I do not wear press on nails. Um, I'm if I I'm actually opposite from an eye. If I I'll just go with my nails and like at a salon. Well, actually, I go to like I like to go to people that like aren't at the salon, like actual like. Um, just like nail techs from home to like support them too but um, I would buy like I know people who wear press on nails so I feel like when I get them presents now I feel like I'll make it a thing to try to support her business and like buy from there I'm gonna buy like from a black business so yeah I think that that's awesome now potato I'm sorry I... Jada. I'm sorry. <laughs> right right I'm not a person to press on nails but I would love to support her because I love her so much like I have been watching her same as an eye since blackish and she was just that little girl with the glasses and a little and a little gaps between her teeth. She was just seeing her grow up in all the films that she's done and all the products that she's been making. Like it is so like inspirational. She is amazing. And she's a good actress too. I love every movie that she's in, every show that she's in. She got everything. Yeah, that's all. I, I will support her. I'm not a person to press on, but I will support her. Well, I'm a press on person and I have not seen them. So um, I look forward if she has some like really short ones, um, I would probably be inclined to invest in that because I love to help uh, young people. And what I'm thinking is we have other things, other events that we do for BGSN. So that sounds like a good gift. So we'll, we'll see what we can do. We'll see. Um, Samuel, we're coming right back to you since you have the most media today. What you got? Okay. I'm going to go to my news article that I have. I cut it down to one. Oh, well, let's go. Okay. See it? You see it? We do. Okay. Georgia sees a 40% increase in Black-owned businesses with an uptick from young entrepreneurs. Let's go. Back home. <laughs> back here. Okay. I'm going to read some of the article. Maybe like Four paragraphs, maybe the whole okay. one. Okay. There are about 300,000 black businesses in the state employing more than 9,000 9, workers. Mm -hmm. According to a report from the U.S. Small Business Administration, many of them are based in the metro Atlanta area. Oh, the, the pandemic gave us a chance, gave a chance for people to just take a pause and think about other ways they can earn a living. Terry Denson, Georgia District Director with the Small Business Administration told 11 Alive, which is a no local news station in Atlanta. Especially in the African-American community, we are embracing more and more the idea of entrepreneurship as a primary career. Uh, I can keep going if like time permits, but that's basically what I wanted to show. Okay. So you wanted to talk about the Black-owned businesses in Atlanta and how they're exploding. Um, 
just so we are aware, nine times out of 10, a lot of black businesses are micro businesses, which means the only employee they have is the owner. Um, and so to hear that people are jumping more into entrepreneurship, what do you think is that's uh, attributed to? I think because it's attributed to like, just like encouragement and representation from seeing other black business owners in Atlanta because like I think in Lithonia, I think there's there's like a Black Wall Street where it's like a big building with small mm -hmm. businesses just like all throughout like the hallways and stuff where you can get stuff like I got something for my hand. I got mm -hmm. some hand cream for myself and my brother got some face washer from the from a store from there. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just like representation and th this is encouraging young business owners to uh, pursue uh, just their own business and become an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I've seen like since the pandemic, you have a lot of people quitting the regular nine to five, right? Uh, based on maybe the way that they were treated, the fact that they're not doing the things that they really love. For some reason, the pandemic has had people kind of rethink the way that they view the world, right? And here in Sacramento, we have something called the African Marketplace, which sounds a lot like what you were describing, Sam. And Anaya, I know you and your mama are frequent uh, uh, flyers <laughs> over at the African Marketplace. Um, tell us why you guys tend to go there um, as opposed to maybe some other places. Uh, we tend to go there because it's a black business. At the end of the day, they sell stuff that's not at usual regular stores um i think the stuff is pretty affordable it's nice they just sell stuff that i've always wanted but i've never been able to find mm -hmm. for example and she gonna put us on hold and say hold on see how see how Anaya did. my mom got her some oh i bought actually i bought my mom some sankofa earrings from there sankofa heart earrings um and she actually had that symbol at her wedding. So just being able to buy that for her made me really, made me feel really special. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, oh yeah, they have hair bonnets there. I would bring one, but it's in my room. What else, mom? Just, she gonna go get it. Um, what else do they have? They have like fans. My mom got this like wrap dress from there. Mm -hmm. And the stuff is like authentically made. And a lot of it is made by hand. And a lot of the other stuff is like imported from Africa. Mm -hmm. Here's one example. Um, this is one I got. I think it's pretty big. I wear it every It's a night. bonnet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We like bonnets. So, bonnets, bonnets for the win. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I even wear it with my brazen. So um, I think I have about like me and mom together, we have about five or six of these. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just really exciting to be able to go there and support these vendors. Yeah, my mom said you see all black people. And tell oh. your mama next time she gonna have to sit next to you because y'all look weird talking to each other off camera. Miss uh, Larissa, next, oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, and yeah, they yeah. also have the museum. The so the, the Sojourner Truth Museum. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Shout out to Miss Shauna. Shauna McDan Shona McDaniel. Um, yes. Jada, you had your hand up because I just wanted to show something like I got from there. It's for my what hair. It's a uh, hair oil to moisturize my scalp because I got to pick it and I can't pick it when my scalp is dry or else it'll okay. hurt real bad. Okay. All right. Jada, you are also a 
frequent flyer over at the African Marketplace. We spent a lot of I, time there. I am. Uh, we used to go all the time when I was younger, and I haven't gone back since, but I want to. Um, I haven't been to the African Market, but I do support a lot of Black businesses because I just love, I love, I love supporting my people. One, sometimes they do be a little crazy with the prices, though. I'd be like, I want to support y'all, but can y'all, like, knock the price down just a little bit so I can actually buy it? But no, um, I really like buying stuff from there. I like, uh, I think there's this, actually, this is Black-owned pop-up shop in Arden Mall that I always go to because they have dope necklaces and they have dresses fit for Black bodies because I know, you know, Fashion Nova or Forever 21, you know, they got it for, you know, you know, not very curvy, you know, it got to fit everywhere. And I think that they have a lot of dresses they're really cute as well and you know they have lashes and lip glosses but i really go there for the necklaces but i love sporting black businesses they oh and nose cuffs i love nose cuffs i always get nose cuffs specifically from black owned businesses i know there are a lot of caucasian people who will make them i'm good i will take theirs because i want to support them and what they do and you know yeah but i really love black owned businesses i thought you were gonna say it's the size of our noses that makes the difference but i didn't hear that so i'm gonna keep moving um, Didi, uh, uh, supporting Black businesses, <laughs> what say you? Yeah, I think supporting Black businesses is really important because um, I remember um, I was reading like this study, I think it was one of the, from one of the books my brother read, but like the Black, the Black um, wealth, like I think it's like almost the same, like the percentage of Black wealth people have owned, like I think like right after slavery and like now is like yeah. the percentage ha is basically the same, right? So I think if, when we're talking about creating Black wealth and the Black economy, we have to support each other in a sense. We have to start, you know, buying from each other and circulating the Black dollar more. Um, so I think that's what Black businesses allows us to do more is um, really put money right back into our communities and right back to our own pockets. Agreed, agreed. Samuel, do you have anything else that you want to share before we kick it to one of your co-hosts? Or is that what yes. you want to share this time? Okay. Let's I see. have two more. Okay, so and they're both uh TV shows. So okay. one blackish, like like um the person they were talking about with that made the I forgot her name. What's her name? That Marseille made the Martin. Yes. Marseille Martin. She's in Blackish, and it's basically about a family, and it shows the dynamic of a Black family and the authenticity of a Black family, and they don't really hide. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people might push back on that because they say the authenticity, the authenticity of what type of Black family, right? Because, mm -hmm. again... A lot of folks are not, you know, doctors and work in the entertainment industry and got all their kids, you know, in, in private school. So um, I think that it does present a certain type of Black family. But um, I think that when we have shows like that, that it's important to say we are not a monolith and that there are other types of Black families as well. But go ahead and, and keep going because I did not mean to cut you off. I just because there's people who will watch that just like they did with the Cosby show and say, oh, this is how. Black families are, and that is not typical that a Black father would be a doctor and the mother would be a lawyer. Not saying that it can't happen, but that is not the average Black family. Um, so go ahead, you're talking about Blackish, and then you said you had another one that you believe um, provides representation of, of Black folks, and what, what was the other um, one? It's called, uh, it's a TV show called Raising Dion, where it's basically a mother and um her black son and basically handling the grief of the death of his father and 
as well him developing these new superpowers, which I like superhero shows, so I have to include it. And their dynamic and how she raises him and how how to handle the situation where the father has died and how to deal with that with a young black boy. So I like it. And I like superhero okay. shows, so. Have you guys seen Raising Dion? I had a chance to check it. I thought it was pretty cool. And I, uh, well, Dee Dee hasn't seen it yet. We're gonna have to put Dee Dee in front of a, com a, a, a computer or a screen soon and just make her have a marathon of some of these stuff. <laughs> Jada, you saw Raising Dion? I did. Um, I'm only on episode one. I like it. I mean, I finished episode one. I just haven't finished, you know, went on because I like it, but. I, something about it I just can't seem to like want to continue like I oh. y'all have to give me a reason I mean Michael B. Jordan is a reason <laughs> but you know like that another Michael reason on there? wait hold on yeah, he's the wait. dead dad listen though so I'm sitting up here like I'm looking at the chat and I'm like Michael B. Jordan wait I missed that <laughs> yeah, yeah like, he's the dead dad he's the dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> I missed it I need to go rewatch it then okay so Michael B. Jordan anything else any other reason uh, Melissa, you saw Raising Dion? What did you think? Yeah, me and my sister, my little sister Maya, we really like the show. Uh, we rewatched it a bunch of times. I like it because they they handle some race issues in it. Um, there's one point where Dion, the little black boy, um, like Sam said, he has superpowers. And so he has his dad, um, because his dad is dead, he has a watch that his dad gave him that he likes and it helps him center himself kind of. It's almost like his meditation piece. It helps him center himself and kind of focus on not using, he's out of control with his power. So it helps him center himself. And a little white boy comes and steals it from him. He says he's gonna do a magic trick, but he takes it and doesn't give it back. And so mm. Dion, the little black Sounds boy- Sounds like Elvis is, to me. <laughs> and, and so he's okay. mad and the white the white principal comes out and is like uh, they're arguing or something happens and the white principal comes out and is like talking to Dion and is rude and is like oh you did this you did this why are you bullying him when Dion is explaining he took my watch and I'm asking for it back and so then the mom comes onto campus and there's also a black teacher and so they're defending Dion and the white principal in the end makes Dion stay like an hour after school. He doesn't suspend him, but he still makes him and not the white boy stay after school. And so then um, the mom's sister is like, you need to have the race talk with him. You need to tell him what's going on and why he's being treated this way. So she ends up doing that. And so I like it because it, it is fictional, but it also handles some real issues. And I think that that's the thing we, we have to kind of, walk a really fine line with kind of integrating the fantasy with the reality, right? Because it could be very, very heavy um, week in and week out. Um, so we're gonna, keep, we're gonna keep it moving because we have a couple more things to get to. Uh, Miss Didi, this was your selection. So y'all check this one out. I wanna ask you a question and that is, what is in your life's blueprint? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. dreamt that dream for us. Futures forward in our thinking and living is a must. Hate and discrimination can no longer live within us. In the highest work we trust. 
giving our all in this fight for we refuse to let injustice live among us. Futures forward for us. Number one in your life's blueprint should be a deep belief in your own dignity, your own worth, and your own somebodyness. Don't allow anybody to make you feel that you are nobody. We trust our children will look past skin tones and zip codes, denounce hate and have faith to embrace all human love shown. Even though some days change seems far away, together there is a brighter day. Let's stop looking back. I know righteousness and love are under attack. Futures forward, cause look how far we come. We don't have to look back. We wave to the haters cause collective possibility they lack. Your energy is a reflection of the work you put in. I know the pressure is mounting, but don't give in. Push, pull, move forward, find strength from deep within. Futures forward, because what are our children going to look forward to when we know there's still a tremendous amount of work to be done? Futures forward for all the daughters and all the sons. I know change can be hard to embrace too, but what does the caterpillar do inside of the cocoon? It manifests into something so beautiful, just like you. Don't be ashamed of your biological features. Somehow you must be able to say in your own lives and really believe it, I am black but beautiful. Futures forward for us. It's up to you to continue to push through because we need you. In these schools, at the university, our invaluable essential workers and those continuing to show up in the healthcare industry. We must show each other more love in our community. We have to fight for our right to fly like our beloved Sacramento Kings. Just think all we can be with love as our primary philosophy. Fighting for our future will take all collective possibility. All right. So if you want to see the whole poem, please check Miss Patrice out on the social media platforms. That was a piece that she did in collaboration with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, shout out to my homie Patrice, man. She she did that. So Didi, that was your clip. So tell us why you wanted to share that piece of art with us. Yeah, I just wanted to show that because I feel like a lot of times, you know, we can get caught up in like injustice, right? Or like, you know, discrimination or whatever it may be. But this, I feel like this poem was really just like, through all that we have resilience, through all that we have optimism, through all that we are still gonna be, you know, future forward and that we're all apart in making change. So I thought that was really powerful. I thought it was really important. Um, and I thought it's really also like something we should all hold near and dear to us as we move forward to not just talk about the past, but also talk about the future and how we're gonna make it possible. That's dope. And Melissa, as the poem was uh, going on, I, I was looking at you and you just had this smile on your face. Talk to me about what you were seeing. I love Patrice Hill um, and I like writing poetry also kind of about the same thing that she writes about um, my experience being black, you know, the things that I've seen, how I feel. And so I like that poem, kind of like how Didi said, it's showing that we are still resilient. We've been through all of these things, but we're still, we still come through and we still show up. And I feel like that, that representation for those people who are still being strong through all of these things is really important. Jada. I love hearing poetry. I 
it's not just Patrice Hill, but I think we also had another person. I wasn't she on um was she a part of VYP boot camp? I feel like her name was like super familiar. Yes, she she was. I love taking Yes, I love taking her class. Um I love writing for a free time, you know, for inspiration, et cetera, et cetera. It's a way for me to kind of, you know, find it's a way where I don't have like, I can feel unapologetically me. And I really love that piece. And um yeah, I I, I appreciate poetry and I appreciated her poetry. I like it. Samuel, who done bent over off the frame. Okay, um, I, I, I enjoy poetry because it's just how it flows. It, it's just very comfortable. But to the message about the poem, I think it's very true and just in, indebted in basically saying we will never give up and no matter how much you try to try to beat us down and demoralize us we will never succumb to the pressure of the outside world of racism because we have to think of future generations and not just about ourselves yeah yeah anaya yeah, I really like the piece. And it just reminded me of like, we shall overcome. Like no matter what the world has thrown at us, we're always gonna overcome, we're always gonna come out stronger than before. And I really like how they had um, like the statue of him and the dancer. And I like how it was in black and white. It's just really cool to me how like videos in black and white it makes me, I feel like it makes me focus on them more because there's not a lot of videos that I watch that are in black and white or like places that I see. So it's like focus mm-hmm. and it makes, in my opinion, the message stronger because if it's like darker colors and the message is louder to me, that's how I feel. Gotcha. And what I took away from it is she was talking about, it's going to be our collective work as a community of how that's going to determine how we push forward, right? It's not just on one person. It's a collective uplift type of message. Um, I love Patrice. If you want to hear the whole poem, you can find her on um, Instagram at Love Patrice Hill. Um, I will try to post it, uh, repost it on our social media so folks can really uh, take a look at it because not only is she a dynamic poet herself, um, she also is the director of Sacramento Area Youth Speaks and she goes around to different schools and she uh, facilitates writing workshops to help them uh, get their feelings out of them and onto paper. So I just want to uh, just send a shout out to my homegirl, man. That's that's dope. I love it. I love it. Uh, Samuel, you have any more that you want to share? Because it looks like you're still up on my screen. Um, uh, in- I Since I the article I had to cut, I can read that since we still have time. So Okay. Okay. I'll share my screen real quick. All right, so while he's pulling that up, uh, welcome to everybody in the chat. We are talking about When I See Me, uh, representation in different forms of media. So far, we've gone through poems. We've gone through how they see themselves on the screen. Uh, we've gone through um, different lines that are, are you know out here available for folks to purchase. And so now we're talking about kindness can change a nation. What's this, Sam? Oh, so it's basically like it's a piece about this um, black boy and he's speaking about racial injustice and basically how to how kindness can change a nation. 
Mm-hmm. Or can kindness? It's kind of a question. Can kindness? Oh, it's a can. Oh, okay. Question. Okay. I'm gonna read it. At the height of the pandemic, amid coronavirus fears and a racial racial reckoning dominating the news in the summer of 2020, Orion Jean, now 11, post posted a simple question: How can kindness change a nation? With encouragement from his Teacher at the time, Gene entered a speech contest where he spoke about kindness. He not only challenged himself to deliver such a passionate, passionate message, but not but he also challenged his community of Mansfield, Texas. You can only hold up a big drive up bake sale and donate the proceeds to a f- local food bank. You you could send a letter to an essential worker thanking them for their hard work, Gene said during the, the kindness speech. The way that COVID affected the economy and caused many people to get laid off from their jobs, I knew I wanted to do something to spread a little joy and brighten somebody's day. That's hmm. basically okay. what I wanted to so, share. How can kindness change a nation? So what do y'all think? Is 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 kindness all uh, something that we can we can do to change this nation? What do you think? I think we've been pretty kind. We ain't really toe up nothing like we should have based on how they've been treated. But go ahead, Jada. How can kindness change a nation? I do believe kindness can change a nation, but at what point does our kindness get mistaken for uh, what do you call it? Weakness. Yes, weakness, someone who wouldn't take action, someone who's just like, you know, I don't want to start anything, so can you just, like, just listen to us, just hear us? No, sometimes we have to take that aggressive approach because we're tired of our voices being like, you know, if we're super kind, we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. But as soon as we're like, hey, you you all need to fix this now, it's like, okay, wait a minute, guys, calm down. What happened to the, like, we need to start, like, getting aggressive. I feel like we have been way too kind and way too, like, you know, I think that stuff is over. We have used our voices. We have used our kindness. But now it's time for y'all to take action because we are sick and tired of you guys running over us. But I do agree with the article. I believe kindness can change a nation. Um, but let's not forget that sometimes aggressiveness and speaking to somebody assertively can also change a nation because that's definitely what we should be doing. Samuel? Kindness can change a nation to a certain point because there's a certain point where kindness is not just enough to change a nation as a whole. You need you need action and a little bit of aggressiveness, and you need to know your your enemy's uh, playbook as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's why I try to invest something in politics and try to understand it so because if you don't understand politics then you don't understand a country because you mm-hmm. have to control the politics of a country to come on Sam. control a country as a whole that's you're speaking my language sam you're speaking my language come on Dina. <laughs> first of all sam just say like how old are you sam like i just feel like you're so young but i feel like i always think you're older because of how you talk but like anyway 11. wow okay you just all right anyway um no yeah I think kindness can change a nation I think we could also look at on the flip side right of these people doing these acts of hatred right and these acts of like terrorism and stuff like that I mean yeah you could argue like if they were kind I mean it wouldn't 
happen, but it's also like you can't, your oppressor can't just be kind to you. There also needs to be structural changes. There needs to be action, like we're saying. Um, and yeah, and I feel like even, I mean, like, I feel like even Black people just being assertive is kind. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, you know what I mean? Like, Black people could do a lot worse from what has been done to us, right? So I feel like 100%. Black people historically have always acted in kindness for how much they have gone through and how much has been committed, like, on them and how, you know, much violence has been done on the on the people. So, yeah, that's what, I know that's kind of all over the place, but that's kind of, I think no, I was also- No, I, I follow it. I followed you. I followed you all the way <laughs> Melissa, kindness. What you think? I think kindness can change a nation, and I'm wondering if that boy was talking to us or talking to the people who have not historically <laughs> been kind. Because, like everyone has said, we have been kind, and you know, look where it's gotten us. We've made some progress, but more needs to be done. I'm wondering if maybe he wasn't talking to us, but like I said, talking to the people who historically have not been kind and have put us in the position we're in. Yeah, Anaya? So I do agree with what Sam said, like kindness can change the nation to a certain extent. And also to piggyback off of what Jada said, you need to take more affirmative action to make sure things get done instead of just, because I feel like they can take kindness as weakness and as showing like, oh, we're not going to step into the plate, we're just going to stay back, you know, and just ask you for things and wait till you do it. No, like we... I think being kind to people has an effect on how you're treated in the end, but I don't think that that's going to make up, that's going to change the nation because we do definitely need to take action. Like being kind to the oppressor is just going to get us oppressed more. I feel like if you're not mm -hmm. taking that action needed, then you may end up not getting as far as you want to get. Right. Now, and go ahead, Jada. In the article, it did seem as though, you know, uh, being, you know, kindness can change a nation when it comes to like our community, being kind to our community, supporting those businesses, reaching out to the people who need help, et cetera, et cetera. So I do believe in that because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that's what the article was. He was helping out his community, the ones who were in need, the one who had just lost their jobs, the one, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, when it comes to this racial issue that we got going on in this country, assertiveness is what needs to be done because kindness has been walked all over more times than I can count. So. Hmm. And I hear y'all. I mean, I think kindness that is not reciprocated and is only one-sided uh, becomes a burden. Um, I believe that, you know, the biggest act of kindness anyone in this country can give us is reparations. And I'm waiting for that. I want you to be real kind, real kind. Um, so look, we only got a couple more minutes, not, not a couple, about 10 minutes. And I wanted to put this out here because I've been waiting. Oh, no, no. It's Anaya. Anaya, you have something you want to share? Yes, so I have a painting and um, my cousin painted this painting. It was commissioned, my mom, well, yeah, it was, it was a commissioned painting. Mom surprised mm -hmm. me when we went to where he lives and it he lives in the loft and it's also where he sells his paintings. Um, okay. It's his like side job and everything. Mm -hmm. this? Girl, let, bring the painting to you. So you, why are you talking yeah, about it? it let me see. This painting. Oh, I love it. Of me in my chair uniform. <laughs> he does a bunch of these things that look just like this. But he made this it. one especially for me. And it has little empty little diamonds, glitter and stuff. Um, those are the shoes. Um, okay. And I also Can have I a pink one that looks just like this. Um, and then he okay. just posted a purple one too. I want to get that one, but I don't need three of the same paintings. 
Okay, so you need to tell us his name. What is his name? Okay, his name is Christopher Pilkington. Um, I also can tell his Instagram. Yes, um, and then we can, you can actually add it in the chat where the comments okay. are coming through. Put his Instagram in there so we can all go and see his fabulous work. That is beautiful. I love it. I love the Afro puffs that look like pom-poms. Um, I love the uh, little cheer outfit. Uh, <laughs> ask him why he got you standing like that, though. <laughs> I don't I know. This is how all of his paintings are. Or the uh -huh. ones made like this, at least. And then there's another one. Um, I'm not going to get it down because it's my mom's. And I don't want to move her okay. stuff without her permission. Okay, um, we don't want it's to do another that. one. I have a picture of it, though, on my phone. Um, this is what it looks like. And it's in our family room. And it's basically just, it reminds me of an African warrior. He has paint on his face. He has a feather in his hair. He has the earrings going on. I think okay. it's really cool. And also has a little, cool. his little initial at the bottom, too. So, so the, yeah, that's the same artist, super, Christopher Yes. Pinkleton, Pinkleton, what'd you say? Yes. Pilkington. What, his name is Pilkington. Christopher, okay. yes. I'll put his thing. Um, but this you. represents me and that made me super happy. I got the pink one just like this first and then we walked in and my mom was like, oh, it looks like you knew. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like who else goes to the same school as me who wanted that painting? And then she surprised me and then I ended up crying happy tears um, because I was just that so happy awesome. to get it. And she was like, pose by it. And then she's like, take it off the wall. And I was like, I'm not gonna touch somebody's painting. And then he was like, you can have it. And I was like, Aww. oh shoot. Awesome. So yeah, um, that's what my cousin did. I really appreciate that and I love it. All right, shout out to cousin. All right, cousin, all right, cousin. We're gonna have to get one with BYLP's logo on it. I'm just saying, we're gonna have to get that. We're gonna commission that. Um, and then, you know what? We have a few minutes left, so I'm gonna play my clip. Check it out. So mind you, that's five months after we started dating that he had a ring on layaway. Did you know you were gonna propose on Christmas Eve? I knew I was gonna propose when I got it off layaway. <laughs> you are my like how you lose a dog or a kitten you looking around like she's looking, looking a little lost and then when she seen me, she looked so happy. We were hanging out a lot and we went to church. I just knew she was the one for me. I, I knew it. After church, we went to brunch. I didn't feel like I had to do anything other than just be myself. And then after brunch, we went to the movies. This is uh, uh, <laughs> right with me. And then after Mad Max, we went to dinner and I was like, I have spent legit all day with this dude. If I'm gonna live with somebody, this is gonna be it. You don't have to question it. I never questioned my choice. <laughs> oh my Felicia, can you come to the front, please? And I'm like, what the hell did he do? The flight attendant, like, takes the intercom. And I'm starting to realize, oh, this is happening right now on the plane. I was on cloud nine, like, as soon as I said I do. And the trepidation was, like, when is this going to wear off? She had these things in her mind that she wanted me to do. And I just was like, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know how to do those things. Everything was was fine and then it changed. You need to be strong enough to open up and be able to collapse and cry onto someone and let them help you feel better. You just have to be there with somebody to go through it. Not just loving him the way I want to love him. I have to learn how to love him the way he receives love. Being able to be transparent and very vulnerable in front of her and tell her that I'm not having a good day. She had to be able to say, it's okay to feel that way. But I'm so privileged to experience love. 
this rich. You are the most important thing to me in my life. You are my life. As long as I got you, I can do anything. I will marry you all over again. You may kiss your bride. Little life's gonna be crazy anyway. I wanna do it with I absolutely love this show. <laughs> and shout out to Kariga and um, uh, uh, Felicia from Soul Development, um, which are part of our extended family here at BYLP, um, for being so vulnerable on this show and just letting us get a glimpse of how love transforms a relationship. Um, if you've never seen this show, you can go on YouTube. It has all the episodes. You can download the app, the Black Love app. Um, shout out to um, Tommy and um, his wife who produced this uh, this show to really highlight Black couples. I believe it's the representation that we have been seeing. And there are such a diversity of uh, relationships and different stages and dealing with loss and love and anxiety and stress and um, the stressors of life. Um, and then to just put it together in such a beautiful um, kind of way or on a beautiful platform, um, it, it just makes me happy. So that was my choice. Have you guys ever seen this show? And what did you think? And Anaya, I saw you shaking your head. Tell, talk to me about it. I think I've seen like a few clips here and there and probably my parents watching it. I think it's really cool because it showed like all the different skin colors black people and then it showed like the two women who were together it's just like amazing rep representation all around um and they were talking about like um how he put the ring on layaway like for four months of dating and then it all of a sudden, like, it got yeah and i was like oh my gosh and then all of a sudden it was like it got all sad and i was like oh and then it showed them being vulnerable and you know being able to be there for one another and i think that's a great example of how Black love should be. Yeah, love in general, but black love, we need, especially us young people, we need to know how to love and how to receive love, especially in this day and age. Um, I think that's really important. Miss Jada, I saw you put your hand up. I love the show. I love the authenticity. I love the vulnerability. It's not no cover up, gloss stuff. Oh, everything is fine. Everything's perfect. Like we just love each other. It's like love at first sight. It was like they've been through the hardships. They've been through this. They've been through that. But in the end, they work through them. They're together. They're happy. You know. And I, I love that. And I love the black love. Like, I don't know. You don't understand how many media I see about. You know. Oh, you know. You know. It's just like this basic. You know white love like it's just so basic to me I love authenticity I love vulnerability I love that stuff because it's like the real deal you can actually kind of like some people who are watching the show could actually kind of like see themselves in some of the people who are talking about their lover like man like I've been through that how do you get through that and then they talk about real relationship issues and it's specifically for black people that's what I love about it it's not for the whole audience this is black love if you want to understand black love here is the show for you like that's what i love about it Didi, have you seen it before i've okay i my mom has watched it i think and like so i've kind of seen it like here and there but i haven't like sat down and like watched it watched it um but i think one thing i also like like other than what everybody else has said is just i feel like um usually like black love on like tv shows and stuff like that is always like a light-skinned woman and then like a darker-skinned man and I feel like it's so important just, like, to really see, like, the spectrum, I guess, so to say, because, like, 
to not just be like like I feel like even like a lot of the like I guess like black shows like growing up it was always like a light-skinned mom and like a dark-skinned dad type thing and I feel like it's important to I really like the show because it doesn't just show that which I feel like is what we usually see in a lot of media Melissa yeah, I love. I haven't seen the show. I've seen like clips of it. I think like Anaya was saying, but I like the uh, how authentic it is. And I feel like Black love is different for every Black family. And I feel like that show would show that. And even going back to Blackish and kind of how some people were saying it may not be as authentic. I feel like it's authentic to the people who it applies to. It isn't authentic to everyone because not everyone can relate to this show. Not everyone can relate to Blackish. So I feel like, you know, the people who are wondering if, you know, you're too white, don't live in the right neighborhood, too whitewashed to be considered Black. I feel like that that that's representation for that. So bringing it back, you know, to Black love, I feel like that was a really good representation of a whole bunch of difference. It was a, it was a spectrum that a whole bunch of people can relate to. And I thought it was really nice. Samuel. This is my first time hearing of the show. Like I haven't really heard of it. This is my first time seeing the trailer. Seems interesting. Seems like, okay. uh, seems like something my mom would watch. I'm surprised she hasn't watched it yet. She probably has. <laughs> Maybe I just haven't noticed. Maybe, Maybe. we'll have to ask her. We'll have to ask yeah. her. Uh, <laughs> so look, we've run out of time, but I quickly just want to say, this is the importance of telling our own stories, right? You have this show um, that is from a husband and wife team. They go around and talk to other Black couples about their experiences. They delve into a whole bunch of different types of issues that relationships can encounter. But I think what it what it does most importantly is it kind of um, disrupts those stereotypes that are applied to black families, like the father's not in the home, the mother's a single mother, um, they don't love each other, the woman is always bitter and upset because she can't find a man, this blows all that out the water. And so I love the show. Um, if you have not seen it, uh, please check it out. Um, adults, adults can check it out. I mean, some some, some of the, the uh, subject matter um, probably I mean, you could watch it, but some of the subject matter really should, uh, really does apply to adults and in their adult relationships. Um, but again, shout out to Pariga and um, Felicia because their episode, I promise you, I sat there and cried with them the whole time um, because hearing about their loss and how they've comforted each other through it um, was really something that resonated with me. But okay, we've run out of time. Uh, thank you for joining us for When I See Me. Uh, Sam, do you have your hand up or are you just saying bye? What you doing? I'm, I'm just saying bye. Okay. Sam was just saying bye. So uh, we will be back for our last episode of Black History Month. It is We Are Black History, I believe. And so we're going to figure out what that means to us. And we're going to bring it to present a whole nother show next week. Um, thank you for being so um, so so present during our whole series on Black History Month. It's been a blast. And so hopefully we have one more in us uh, and some exciting content for you next week. Make sure you join us right here at four o'clock PST on YouTube and Facebook. And with that, we're going to hit you with the wave and we're going to see you next week. We'll check you out. Oh, Sam said whatever he's doing, whatever. Okay. All right, Sam. Yep. <laughs>